Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here today, and I'm going to be talking about Derek Carr interviewing with the Jets, what that means, what that holds for the Jets. Then I'm going to get into Eric Bieniemy going to the Commanders, how much can he uplift that offense, and then Darren Waller makes a shocking revelation, and then I talk about Russell Westbrook's uh, potential fit with uh, the Clippers, and then the Lakers in sort of their final 15 games. So let's start with Derek Carr interviewing yesterday with the New York Jets. Uh, from what was um, mentioned from, I think, Jeff Darlington on ESPN, that it went really well, their interview. Uh they not mentioned that they view him as a championship caliber quarterback. Uh, looked really good. Interviewed really well. Uh, everything went great. Uh, Derek Carr's brother also said, hey, this went really well with the Jets. Robert Sala and Derek Carr really hit it off. Uh, yada, yada, yada. So now the question is for Derek Carr, is he a fit with the Jets? Now, if you listen to my podcast last week, I said I don't view Derek Carr as a top 10 quarterback or a game-changing quarterback in terms of elevating your team to a championship. Now, it was reported yesterday that, uh, you know, the Jets view him as a championship caliber quarterback. I do not. Obviously, the Raiders don't. Honestly, I think a lot of the league doesn't, but that could, could be, you know, Derek Carr's agent trying to prop up his value, because, like I said, the teams that need quarterbacks, the, the Jets, uh, the Titans, the, uh, obviously not the Raiders now, but maybe even the Commanders, or uh, the Packers, if Aaron Rodgers leaves, or the Bucks or the Panthers, Saints, Falcons, uh, none of those teams with Derek Carr are going to the Super Bowl. Now, if you put a top quarterback on those teams, like let's say I put Mahomes on the Jets or Josh Allen on the Jets or Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, now that gets really interesting. It's like now they have a shot. Same with the Giant, Same with the Commanders. They have a shot on Tampa Bay, Carolina, New Orleans, good rosters. It's like that is one of the favorites. We don't say that with Derek Carr. He's not an elite quarterback. He's not a championship-caliber quarterback. He's not a game-changing quarterback. He'll change your game for the worse. I saw him multiple times last year. Just look terrible. Uh, one of his last starts against the Steelers, Derek Carr was just awful. I was watching that game, and I said, this guy can't play any worse. Three interceptions, a quarterback rating of 19. Uh, he was terrible. I mean, he was bad. Uh, a few weeks before that against the Raiders, a baffling interception uh, in the red zone, two interceptions and zero touchdowns, a quarterback rating of 39. I mean, there's been a lot of games this year where Derek Carr, frankly, doesn't look good, uh, missed some chances with Devontae Adams as well. He's just not a championship-caliber quarterback. The Raiders knew this and obviously moved on. Uh, it's going to be tough to replace him, but Derek Carr is not your quarterback answer. So now the question is for the Jets. They're in love with Aaron Rodgers. And so now the question is, do you wait for Aaron Rodgers or secure 
Derek Carr. I think if you think you have a realistic chance getting Aaron Rodgers, you obviously wait it out. If you've got to wait it out two months, 40 days, 40 nights, and knowing that Aaron Rodgers will be your quarterback when he comes out of the 40 days, 40 nights, you take Aaron Rodgers. You wait it out. Now, he is a championship-caliber quarterback. He's won a championship. Derek Carr's only made the playoffs once in his career last year and didn't play well in that game. Aaron Rodgers can elevate a team with Devontae Adams, with Darren Waller, uh, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs. That is a really solid makings of a team. Aaron Rodgers, even to the Jets, is enticing with the young weapons they have. The Garrett Wilson, uh, Elijah Moore, Brees Hall coming back as a stud. The draft as well. I think they hit him a draft really good last year. I think they could uh, hit some more pieces again this year, really bolster up this offense around Aaron Rodgers. So if I'm the Jets, yes, I'm waiting for Aaron Rodgers. And I think Derek Carr, or it was either Derek or his brother David, said that he thinks this could be a long process. Well, I don't know what's so long about it. It's not like you've got multiple suitors lining up. It's not like you've got half the league's like, this is the guy we want. We need to trade our current guy and get this guy. It's no. It's the Jets are a suitor, the Panthers maybe, and the Saints. Those are the only teams. The Bucks haven't shown interest. They're $55 million over the cap. Atlanta has been heavily linked to Lamar Jackson. Again, I'd rather have Lamar Jackson than Derek Carr. I just don't get it. I'm not – don't think Derek Carr is that guy. Uh, I think – Saying it's a long process could hurt him in the long run uh, because you want teams to act fast, give him the money. But if he really holds this out because he's in a unique situation to where he can sign really now pre-free agency before anybody else comes available. So if he waits for Aaron Rodgers to make a decision for a possible Lamar Jackson trade, uh, other sufficeable quarterbacks comparable to Derek Carr like Ryan Tannehill, maybe for a cheaper price. It's Derek Carr really went from let's strike a deal now to screwing himself. Now, I always thought Derek Carr was a humble guy and a good locker room guy. But the longer he drags this out, the way to not help the team out and some of the things he's doing, I think could actually hurt Derek Carr in the long run. Uh, and maybe this opens some team's eyes to where if you're really going to analyze this player, it's we don't love the guy. He's a he's a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. Uh, he's not in the top two tiers of quarterbacks, the upper echelon. Derek Carr is just a dude. That's all he is, all he'll ever be. I don't mean to be harsh or demean the guy, but I've been watching a lot of football. He ain't one of the elite ones. The elite ones are going to win you the Super Bowl, get you there. Derek Carr is not that dude. Moving on to Eric Bieniemy to the Commanders. Now, this is really a two-part thing. How much does this impact the Commanders? How does this hurt the Chiefs? I'm going to start with the latter because this is really an interesting question is, Eric Bieniemy has been the offensive coordinator since 2018, and since that time, they've been the number one offense in the NFL. They've won two Super Bowls, the five straight AFC Championship game appearances. But here's the biggest thing in, that I have with 
not Eric Bieniemy, but with the Chiefs. Nobody praises Eric Bieniemy on the team. It's when they interview Patrick Mahomes or Kelsey when they ask Kelsey about the offense. It's it's Andy Reid, baby. I've got Pat Mahomes. It's always those two guys with Pat Mahomes. It's when you have a guy like eighty-seven out there. It helps when I got a coach like Andy Reid. Everything is those three guys. It's the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey show. No one else gets any credit for anything happens at all. Uh, Kadarius Tony could do something on offense. It's all Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid. And I think if Eric Bieniemy, who I think is a great offensive coordinator, I think that gets tiring after a while. Uh, I know it to personally be tiring. Uh, working for a department and other people constantly get the credit. You're like, hey, did nobody take notice? And then you go to another department and they recognize your work. Other people, and it's like, hey, you know, I was doing the same exact thing here, but now I'm getting that recognition. And I do think that's going to really help out uh, Eric Bieniemy because I think the commander's offense has pieces there. I think it's going to be a good offense. He's going to elevate it to where Eric Bieniemy gets the recognition. It's like, hey, we weren't recognized. It was because when we look at the offense now for the commanders, if Sam Howell has a great game or Terry McLaurin goes off or Curtis Samuel or Brian Robinson, whoever it may be, you think they're going to say, oh, Ron Rivera? Oh, Sam Howell didn't say no. Eric the enemy is the game caller. They're going to be like, hey, Eric the enemy came in. It was Eric the enemy. So this, I think, is really going to help Eric the enemy. And this could only be a one-year thing. This one year could go great. He could go interview. I think for the Chiefs, I don't think it hurts them because they had their big three of Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. You can't go wrong. Looks like they'll promote Matt Nagy uh, from, I think, quarterback's coach or whatever to offensive coordinator. I uh, just fit in within the system. Uh, I think the offense will be just fine uh, there. But when you look at uh, the Washington offense this year, they were they averaged 19 points a game. That was 24th in the league. Uh, yards per game, 330, 20th in the league. Points per play, 27th in the league. Yards per play was 5. That was 28th in the league. Uh, third down conversion, 35%, 25th. Fourth down, 48%, 21. Red zone scoring touchdowns was 51%, 24th. Touchdowns per game were 2 at 22. So they were really in the bottom 10 in every offensive category there was. Now, they have a great defense. They have a, they have a top 10 defense in terms of opponents' points and yards per game. It's really the offense they're clicking in that NFC East, which proved to be a very good division this year. So I think with Eric the enemy uh, coming over, uh, I do think he can raise these. And now if he can get that to a top 10 offense, if he can uh, move the points up to 24 a game, uh, getting a touchdown more uh, to three a game, uh, bumping the yards up as well, that can help his case. And I think Eric the enemy can do it. I think he learned a lot from Andy Reid, uh, and it was a great fit within that system. I think he is, a, you know, again, a great guy. So I think the Washington offense is really going to hit a new spark, whoever it be, a quarterback, if it's looking like Sam Howell right now, who looked really good in his last game against the Cowboys as, you know, first and only start. If uh, BNME can do something with him and this team, it's, 
Eric Bieniemy definitely deserves a lot of credit, a lot of recognition uh, for what he's going to do. I'm excited to see this Washington offense, to see kind of how he fits with his team overall. But I definitely think he uplifts the offense a lot. Now I want to move on to something uh, Darren Waller said about Tom Brady. And that was he thought that it was almost a lock to get Tom Brady to join the Raiders. Uh, Darren Waller said that, and I quote, I've heard it from multiple sources that I respect and I've been close to. They're like, yeah, Brady to the Raiders was a lock. Now, you know, that was crazy because it was being reported on by a lot of people. And, you know, I think whatever Las Vegas newspapers out there locally said that, hey, they're going to go after Tom Brady. Could they do it? Uh, And kind of that was a thing, even though I thought as well, hey, looks like maybe this year, Tom Brady can uh, join the team. And I thought it would have been great, but now it begs a question which people want to ask is, is there a chance? Is there a chance Tom Brady comes out of retirement again to play? Uh, Why would that be significant? Uh, Because Tom Brady, or because, you know, it could have happened. Well, Michael Jordan did come out of retirement twice. Uh, this would be LeBr- uh, Michael, or my bad. This would be Tom Brady's second. So he'd just be following another goat suit. And there's a couple other things as well uh, that I think are interesting in terms of this is you have him not going to Fox right away. Uh, really taking, you know, if it's February to the following September, uh, that's a long year and a half off away from a game, away from a lot. And come on, you know, he's enjoying time with his kids now, but they're in school. They'll be in school too. Uh, You know, come this coming September, it's going to be a lot of by Tom self time. Uh, So I think there's a chance there. I also think there's a chance because he's, you know, he's technically a free agent, and uh, he didn't help the Bucks out in terms of voiding more years or just creating an extended contract to, you know, help out the Bucks because they're taking on that thirty-five million dollars dead cap hit, which takes some fifty-five million dollars over the cap. He didn't try to redo anything with them; uh, he just left it as is. So we'll see if he has that inkling to return. But to me, that was an interesting development. And to me, it's also interesting how the Raiders haven't really talked about pursuing anyone else. It's not like they've pivoted. It's like, you know, they're really waiting to see how this all plays out because it's a lot can happen. Tom can change his mind. Uh, Something else could happen. So it's interesting. But, yes, you do want a guy like Tom Brady on your team. And I think Darren Waller even knows. He's an upgrade over Derek Carr because, again, not to bash Derek Carr, but, you know, as I said, Derek Carr's not a championship-caliber quarterback. One playoff game in his whole career. One playoff game. Uh, For a team, he's led a team to two winning records in his career. 
He's thrown for over 30 touchdown passes once in his career. Uh, thrown for, you know, over 4,000 yards, you know, on a four-year stretch, which was really good. But a lot of seasons, uh, he's only had three seasons where he has not thrown double-digit 10-plus interceptions. He's a turnover-prone quarterback, uh, and he's not a winner and, to me, a real leader of men at that position, leader of a team. That The exact opposite of that, of Derek Carr, is enter one Tom Brady. So, to me, again, that makes it interesting. We'll see. Is there a chance? Yeah, there's always a chance. Uh, Tom Brady mentioned, him, you know, avoided as avoided in interviews and and things, saying, you know, a definitive no. So, is there still a chance? Yes. Am I holding out a lot of hope for this to happen? No, I'm not. I would definitely be shocked and surprised. But there is a chance. Darren Waller thought it was a lock. I definitely think he would elevate this Raiders team to another level because he can still throw it. He's not a scrub, not like Peyton Manning going out uh, his last year. Now I want to talk about Russell Westbrook. Signed with the Clippers. I thought it was a really interesting signing considering the Clippers have found some chemistry with their unit. Uh, They sit at fourth in the Western Conference. Uh, Kawhi is looking better and better. Uh, Paul George as well. They're looking healthy, really good. They made trades for Eric Gordon, Bones Highland. It was like, hey, this team, you know, is really good. But playoff roster, that they got those eight guys at the top there, uh, is really good even without, you know, a point guard, a dedicated point guard. So then Paul George and, like, I think another player, I think Batum said, hey, let's let's think about adding Russell Westbrook. So they went out and got Russell Westbrook. And to me, this is a huge risk for the, the Clippers because you just saw what uh, happened literally with the team that shares the same building with you in um, the Los Angeles Lakers in that he was terrible. He could not start with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. He was turnover-prone, two-ball-dependent, plays too fast, and doesn't slow the game down. It just didn't work. And, you know, LeBron James is one of the greatest players of all time. Anthony Davis, when healthy, is a top-ten player. So then you enter Kawhi and Paul George. Kawhi, when healthy, again, top-ten player. Paul George, another great player. So why do they think it would work with him when they've won 10 out of their last four games? They have Terrence Mann, who's played really well. Uh, Norman Powell coming off the bench in the six-man sort of role. Gordon, Highland, Plumley. It's like this team's really starting to get it together. Uh, again, I don't think the fit is there. They just saw the John Wall experiment that failed again. Uh, I don't think he was as athletic or as healthy as Westbrook is now. Uh, but again, I don't think Westbrook can do a lot of things to benefit uh, this Clippers team. Now, when you just look at the basic stat line, you look at 16 points, seven rebounds, six assists coming, or seven assists, six rebounds coming off the bench. You're like, hey, that's really good. That's a player off the bench. You know, I'll take. But then you look at it like this, saying, 
He only shoots 41% from the field, uh, which would be one of his career lows since his rookie year. That's how bad he's shooting the basketball. When you think he's shooting 29.6% from three, which is uh, the worst among active shooters in the NBA. You look at three and a half turnovers uh, per game coming off the bench. Uh, then you look at it like that. Like, uh, those numbers that you mentioned before aren't as appealing anymore. Now, Russell Westbrook is one of the greatest players in the history of basketball. He is uh, a top 75 player of all time, deservedly so. But the past two years of Russell Westbrook's career has not been kind to him. And he hasn't done it uh, any favors as well. Again, I don't think this is a fit. And, of course, now that you added uh, Russell Westbrook, you now have a scapegoat because the Lakers have a scapegoat last year. It's everybody, everybody point of a finger. It, um, Russell Westbrook. And it'll be the same. They won't put it on uh, Kawhi or PG. They'll put it on Russell Westbrook. And a lot of people go, you know, why did it? Why did they even sign Russell Westbrook? It's not like they needed him or anything like that. It was uh, really just a weird scenario. Why during the midst of their best stretch of the season and other pieces that they added, it's. Why go out and add a, a time bomb to our roster? It, it doesn't make sense. I believe a time bomb is set. Uh, I believe the Clippers, from especially after watching them beat the Suns a week ago, I thought, hey, the Clippers are a team that I think can definitely make it past the, the first round, play a hard-fought team in the semis, and maybe make the conference finals. It is a real possibility, I think, with, with Westbrook now. He becomes a liability, but I think the Clippers are smarter in the fact than the Lakers is if this doesn't work, they'll send Russell Westbrook home. They'll, they'll cut him, send him home if it doesn't work. Uh, so that, you know, after, during the playoffs of 23 games that uh, they want this to happen, whereas the Lakers just kept him around longer and longer and longer, affected the team more and more and more. Uh, don't think that'll happen with the Clippers. I think they're a little smarter in that area. Now I want to talk. move to another NBA subject, and that's Giannis. Uh, Giannis suffered a sprained ligament in his wrist. Uh, I forget exactly which game it was, uh, but he only played like two seconds in the All-Star game. Uh, they said he avoided major surgery, but this is huge for the Milwaukee Bucks, and I'll tell you why. Uh, number one seed in the East, to me, is crucial, more crucial than in the West, where in the West, the talent pool is very close among the teams, whereas in the East, to me, it's it's Boston and Milwaukee, and a home Game 7 Eastern Conference Finals could really be the deciding factor. So I think Boston... Uh, Hearing that news, they're like, oh, that helps. But Milwaukee is like, uh, we need to get healthy. Giannis isn't healthy. Chris Middleton hasn't been himself. He's uh, still healing uh, from his injury last year. Joe Ingles as well. Uh, but here they are playing the Heat coming up. They play the Suns and Nets. 
We're not playing hard, or we're not playing bad teams. So they need to do something. They also have the Celtics left on their schedule uh, as well in March. So this is a huge loss for Milwaukee and the battle for Eastern Conference supremacy, the right to get the one seed uh, and all that. So that right there, Boston losing, or Milwaukee losing Giannis, is a huge blow uh, to this team and their goals of getting the one seed. Now, I know Giannis has said, you know, one seed, two seed, three seed, doesn't matter to me. I'm just happy to get in there and then we'll play a few wins. But uh, from a more outside analyst perspective, it's this is a big deal. We saw last year home court was a big deal. I think it's going to be a big deal this year uh, as well. So I think Milwaukee wants it. Last year, Milwaukee had the three seed. Game seven was in Boston in the Eastern Conference semis. And guess what? They could really use that game at home. Uh, I think this is a one. This is a game they, uh, or this is a, this is a one seed that they desperately need. And then lastly with the NBA, I'm talking about the Lakers. LeBron said that these next 23 games are the most important of his career, talking about the Lakers' 23-game stretch because he wants to play his best basketball, the team to play his best basketball to really make a push because he doesn't want to miss the playoffs again. So since the 2020 run, uh, they have missed the playoffs. Uh, the bubble, uh, since the bubble championship, they missed the playoffs both times. Or, oh, my bad. They lost in the playoffs to the Suns in the first round. Uh, and then last year, uh, missed the playoffs. Vastly, vastly underachieved. So now you have this 23-game stretch. And I'm with LeBron. I second that. This, you don't, he doesn't want to miss the playoffs again. But it would also be very disappointing if he were to miss it with this team. Uh, this, to me, is the best iteration of this team since that uh, 2020 championship team. Uh, getting rid of Russell Westbrook, adding D'Angelo Russell, uh, Malik Beasley, a sharpshooter, defense in Vanderbilt, uh, Mo Bamba as well as, a, as another big man. So I thought they made good trades. Of course, it's all going to come back to the health of LeBron James, the health of Anthony Davis, how healthy is LeBron's foot, his wrist if he's healthy. There should be no reason to miss the playoffs if AD is healthy again. No reason to miss the playoffs. Uh, they don't have a terribly di- difficult schedule. To me, it's sort of in runs. So if I look at their schedule to close out February, it's the Warriors, and then they go to Mavs and Grizzlies. Now, the Warriors is a benefit because we don't know if Steph Curry will be back yet for that game after suffering his uh, knee injury. But then he plays the Mavericks, the Kyrie, Luka, new duo. Grizzlies are a tough opponent. So you're hoping at least to finish uh, February. You'd like to go 3-0, but 2-1, you go 1-2 or 0-3. That tremendously hurts. But then it gets easier to start March. You have uh, the Thunder, T-Wolves. You got the Warriors. That game will be at home for the Lakers, the Grizzlies at home. So they enjoy a nice uh, five-game road stretch for the T-Wolves. Warriors, Grizzlies, Raptors, Knicks. They travel to face the Pelicans, Rockets, uh, teams they should win. Mavericks again, but then they play Magic, team they should win. 
The Suns will be a terrific game. That will be the first KD uh, LeBron game, I believe, since the pre Achilles injury. And then they finish the March with, again, an easy slate Thunder, Bulls on a back to back, and then the T Wolves. And then in April, they've got Rockets, Jazz, who are officially tanking now. Uh, Clippers tough, Suns tough, and Jazz. So you look at their schedule, and I think there's seven uh, tough games. I think they have to at least go 17-6 and six to make the playoffs to sort of get maybe a six seed, maybe in the play-in. Uh, but, of course, realistically, I'd like them to go 20-3. and three. That would be nice. I don't think that's realistic, but I think – Somewhere in the 17 to 6, uh, 20 to 3 range. I think if they go 15 and 8, that's really pushing it. For the play in having 40 losses, 41 losses, that's tough. Can't have a losing record, I think, and get in. So these last 23 games, as LeBron says, are crucial. They obviously have a great chance with the line that they have uh, with the schedule as well. Uh, favorable schedule, a lot of home games. Obviously, that benefits LeBron and the Lakers and the rotation players as well. So they have a chance. They have a shot to really gel, win some games over the next 23, get into the playoffs, and then anything can happen with, I think, LeBron in a seven-game series against any of these teams in the West. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be, I think, a great finish to the NBA season uh, post-All-Star game in which – I'll end on this is the All-Star game. I think this was the worst iteration of the All-Star game. I've, past years have been great. I don't know if it was the LeBron injury. And Giannis not playing kind of your two captains out, but uh, I think this was the weakest All-Star game addition. But that's my thoughts. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.